0: What's up, y'all? This is the State of Progression podcast where we will bring you nothing but great energy, pure authenticity, and progression in all aspects of life. I'm Jared Emanuel, and this is my boy Dylan Miller, and we're here. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good, good. So, we have a very special, special guest for you guys today. This guest... Lost a total of 7 pounds in 30 days. Just eating Big Macs. Yes, you heard that correct. Just eating Big Macs. He's an Instagram sensation. And he was Gary V's personal trainer for 3 years. He helps people transform their, their bodies. And we brought him on today to help you progress in your lifestyle as well. So please welcome... The Caloric Deficit King, <laughs> Jordan Syed. <laughs>
1: welcome,
2: welcome. Welcome, you, guys. I appreciate it. Welcome. it's a good. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome, awesome. So let's just get straight into it. Um, so Jordan, I've always been curious about your fitness journey and if you knew this would be such a huge success into your, in, your, in your life. Um, I mean, so
2: I, I got involved in fitness when I was a young kid. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old. Uh, and then wrestling was basically my entire life. So then when I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot. And I had to cut a lot of weight, so I was cutting from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week oh, yeah. for competition. And uh, as a freshman, 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, I was a good wrestler technically and endurance-wise, but strength-wise, going up against 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, I-, I didn't have it. So I basically, I was like, I knew I had to get stronger, but I also had to lose weight to make make weight for competition. So I started to, I applied to a to a gym nearby, in a town nearby, just like to see if I could intern with them. Uh-huh. Uh, fortunately, not only fortunately did they take me under their wing, but they were also very science-based.
0: Uh, they were a, a very that.
2: science-based gym, and uh, and I got I got inundated to very high-level science-based strength and conditioning and nutrition at a very young age. So that's how I got into it, and and I didn't, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a coach from a very young age, but I had no idea. I mean, Instagram didn't exist at that time, uh, Facebook, like really Facebook came out after I started coaching. Like it was, I didn't, we, online coaching wasn't even a thing when I first got into all of this. So like I had no idea. I just wanted to coach people. And then as, as I got better as a coach and as time went on, these social media platforms came out and, and I was just posting content and, uh, basically just trying to help people. And then through that more and more people started to follow me.
0: Awesome. Um, so you said that, like the gym, they're more like science, science based. What did you look into after you found out it was like science based? Like, how did you learn everything that you that you know today is basically what I'm trying to get at?
2: So I did, I did a bunch of different internships, but um, I got I got set up with that gym when I was like 14. And they were I was super fortunate because they were, you can go to any gym in the world. But the reality and unfortunate reality is that most gyms anybody can be a coach there. And like, you could say, you could argue, oh, well you need a certification. It's like, you could go online right now and buy a certification for 99 bucks. It's not hard to become a quote unquote certified trainer. Yeah. uh, The reality is most most gyms don't care about who's coaching you as much as how many clients are getting through the door and how much money they're bringing in. So this gym, I was very fortunate to find in that it wasn't like that at all. It was a privately owned facility. Um, it wasn't like a chain, which sort of it makes it a little bit more focused on on results and science based so that you can get more referrals and people coming in. Mm-hmm. And the coaches in there, they set me up with not only uh, great resources to read, but like they were mentoring me underneath them. So I was like learning from them, and they were very big on the science. And so then from there, I ended up getting more and more internships and um, competed as a high level competitive powerlifter, and uh, I just. I went to college for all of this, but the reality is I learned more from three, from various three month internships at high level facilities than I did in four years of college. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's how I personally learned too. Uh, I was, I played football and I went to this uh, training facility. It was called winter circle athletics and and the trainers there, they were, they were insanely good and they, they knew a lot of knowledge, like they, they knew a lot. And I feel like hands-on learning is is the best way to learn and i hate when like I, I honestly hate when people like are looking for a trainer and they look for certifications like to me i feel like it, it's bs like oh they have to have this certification they have to have that certification when in reality i can know way more than somebody that has all the certifications in the world you know just from like hands-on experience and like experiencing it myself
2: yeah, a hundred percent.
0: So uh, that kind of makes me want to expand into why we really brought you on in uh, your uh, your Big Mac challenge. So do you think you could let let the people know uh, why you did the Big Big Mac challenge and what it did for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, so basically, um, there's a lot of food fear and food anxiety. Right now, a lot of people think there are good foods and bad foods, and uh, there are foods that are inherently going to make you fat, foods that are inherently going to make you sick. And for me, obviously, there are some foods that you want to base the majority of your diet off of—more whole and, and minimally processed foods, nutrient-dense foods. But the fact that a lot of people get nervous or food anxiety if they have a slice of pizza at their daughter's birthday party, or if they like fear like having a slice of cake at their nephew's graduation ceremony. It's, it causes way more harm than good because usually what will happen is if they feel like they're screwing up, if they feel like they're doing something bad, that is what leads to a binge pattern where like once they have a bad food or, or messed up, then they're like, ah, screw it. And they go away for the whole weekend. They completely just binge the whole weekend. They say they'll get back on track on Monday. And that's the whole yo-yo dieting cycle. So I wanted to show people that you can include some of your favorite quote unquote unhealthy foods And not only not ruin your progress, but actually continue to make progress. And and I think probably the most important point to to really hammer home here is that I'm not saying people need to eat Big Macs. And I'm not saying Big Macs are a wholly nutritious food option. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you you end up having a Big Mac or having a slice of pizza or having a slice of cake or, God forbid, a fucking ice cream cone, that still make progress – as long as you just get back on track and don't use that as a justification to quit and binge after that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with this because I personally, I love food and I love my sweets. I love my, I love my food for sure. And when like, for example, say I'll post something on my story, they're like, how how do you, how can you eat that kind of thing? How can you eat that stuff and still like be fit, you know? And I just tell them like, if you can control it, if you don't eat the whole bag of chips like you can you can sustain your body and still enjoy and eat the food you want to eat and people are just like what the what the fuck you know and <laughs> and they will just basically they'll they'll go in like like you just said like they'll try to eat the foods they want and they'll binge and then they'll gain that weight they'll gain like a, a pound they think they just gained like a pound of, or a pound of fat within that 30 minutes they'll step on the scale and be like What the fuck? I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm gonna go crazy. Stuff like that, and I I really believe it not only affects their body, but it, it mainly fucks with their mind. You know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of we talk about how like we talk about physiological health, and we talk about how mental health is so important, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing that we hear about in society and culture, but. Most people massively underestimate the importance of mental health in regard to you, in regard to your physical health in regard to nutrition and strength training. You know, it's one thing where like one of my favorite sayings is for one person saying no to the pizza could be making progress because they need to start paying more attention to their food. They need to pay, may pay more attention to their uh, food quality, how many calories they're eating. But for someone else saying yes to the pizza without feeling guilty and getting anxiety might be progress, right? Because mental progress matters too. And if you're the kind of person that literally will never, ever, ever, ever have a slice of pizza because you're going to get anxious about it and have anxiety about it and you're going to think you screwed up your entire diet and you're going to have to do five hours of cardio afterwards to quote unquote make up for it, that's not a healthy relationship with food. So the same exact piece of food, two different reactions to it and responses to it could be equal progress for two different people. And we have to understand that there, when when I say there's no such thing as a good or a bad food, people are always like, well, of course there's a bad food. And for whatever reason, the, the first one people go to is Twinkies. They're like, well, <laughs> Twinkies are bad for you. And I'm like, I use that same example. I'm like, okay, so if someone did have a Twinkie and they have an anxiety attack because of it, is that healthy? And I was like, <laughs> well, of course not. I'm like, okay. so And I'm like, does has anyone ever eaten a Twinkie? And like, it was like, if you have one Twinkie in your diet over a week, is like, is that one Twinkie gonna ruin your diet? Is that one Twinkie ruining your cholesterol? Is that one Twinkie ruining your blood panels? And so I was like, well, no, of course not. It's like, healthy or unhealthy, is uh, it's to be reductionist enough, reductionist enough in your thinking, to think that one thing in in isolation is the sum and substance of health is massively disingenuous. You have to think about your diet overall, your sleep overall, your exercise exercise overall, your interpersonal relationships overall, like your entire life. And the reality is you can't just say one food is inherently good or bad because there are so many ways to interpret how that food's gonna impact your life. I would argue that saying no to a Twinkie at a party that's mainly for Twinkies, when you're with your friends and family, and just saying no, there's no way I'm going to have that Twinkie. That's probably a, a less healthy relationship with food than someone who can have that one Twinkie and then get back on track when they're done.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and especially going back to the whole the whole cardio thing, I feel like a, a lot of people are guilty of this. Like they'll eat that Twinkie and then, like you said, five hours on the on the cardio machine.
1: But that's, that's not that's not even like a sustainable
0: you know thing to continue doing every time you were yeah to exactly eat.
1: yeah every time you were to eat something that might not be quote-unquote healthy it just puts you in such like you said like a mental health sailor like every time you eat something that's not the quote-unquote healthy then you have to do this redundant cycle of trying to play catch up and yeah like and instead of like his over whole concept over. of you know the the calorie deficit like if you were to Say if you're going to that party, you know, later on the evening and adjust your diet to, you know, have a higher intake for that evening, then you won't have to be so set on doing a five-mile run, you know, previous the next day.
0: So, uh, Jordan, um, so basically you're just trying to let the people know that you could eat the foods you want to eat without stressing, without having an anxiety attack, and it'll, it'll be okay. You can get right back on track. I think you have this saying, like the next thing you eat, you, that's how fast you can get back on track.
2: Yeah, it's, it's basically you're never more than one bite away from. Yeah, back yeah, there
0: you go. That, that's what exactly what I was looking for. What did you say? You're never, you're never more, more than, than one, one bite, bite away, away than getting back on track, and that's like you need to quote that, put it on a shirt, <laughs> <laughs> sell those shirts, <laughs> and that's what everybody should get from this podcast. That's like the main, the main thing that people should. Uh, bring into their lifestyle that you're never one by the way and it's okay to have those foods that you love and you're not it's not going to hold you back if anything it'll progress you forward because you're not having that anxiety you're not thinking it negatively and your mindset's just going to grow and grow so jordan do you have any other challenges that you that you want to do such as this
2: yeah i have a lot of cha- challenges in the pipeline um one thing that I'm going to be doing and basically one of the, the overall response to the big Mac challenge was tremendous. It was, it was amazing. I think one of the most common things that anyone who was like, Oh, I wish you did this. I wish you did that. Was they wanted more like doctor intervention, more intervention from someone who is like, has a medical degree. And like I was obviously that would be great. It's a little bit difficult to have that on hand for every single challenge that I want to do. Um, but I do have a colleague who is a doctor uh, who lives out in San Diego, and I'm in I'm in New York. So for the next challenge, uh, what we're actually going to do is um, one of the more common myths is that coffee dehydrates you. Mm-hmm. Is that coffee just drinking coffee dehydrates you, which is yeah. which is outrageously yeah. outdated <laughs> well, we'll and wrong? But <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm literally going to go stay with my buddy who's a doctor in San Diego for uh, for the better part of a week. And, and for either 24 or 48 hours, we haven't decided which one yet. I'm literally only going to drink coffee for the entire 24-hour period or 48-hour period. Uh-huh. And we're going to measure my hydration levels throughout that entire time. And then we're going to take the end results from the beginning all the way to the end and see what happens to my hydration.
1: Well, I mean, don't you think it would have some sort of drop just by strictly drinking the coffee and not having any sort of water intake?
2: Well, what is water? what is coffee made up of?
1: water you're right yeah yeah i <laughs> right i'm gonna sit back no, that's true. It's,
2: it's one of the more common things it's like so people are they they hear this over and over and over and over again and they think it's oh it's a diuretic it's a diuretic it's a diuretic it's like what is the definition of a diuretic so it makes you pee right it, like it forces you to pee from drinking it it's like water is essentially a diuretic when right. you drink water you have to pee
0: yeah, so you're going to pee it out essentially anyways.
2: Now, th- what people say is caffeine is a diuretic, and that's correct. Uh-huh. But the reality is the the reason that that coffee is net hydrating is because it's made up of almost all water. Mm-hmm. But if you were just to take caffeine pills with minimal water, then yes, it would probably over time have a net dehydrating effect because you're not drinking a lot of fluid with it. But when you're drinking cups and cups of coffee with caffeine in it, you're drinking cups and cups of water along with it, and uh-huh. the, amount, the amount that you end up peeing extra because of the caffeine is minimal. So you still have a net hydrating effect. Now, if if you looked at the comparison between how hydrating coffee is versus how hydrating water is you would probably see a net greater hydration effect from water as opposed to coffee because there's no caffeine in the water. But the question is, does something dehydrate you or not? Not which one hydrates you better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, water would hydrate you better than coffee. Oh, yeah. but, but by the end of drinking coffee, our hypothesis is that coffee is still going to be hydrating you at a net hydration rather than, like if you're out in the desert, and you're only drinking coffee. Yeah. You're still going to be getting hydrated from it. You're yeah. not all of a sudden going to get dehydrated just because you're drinking coffee.
0: For sure. So like do you get like a lot of people asking you like does it does it make you dehydrated? Is that why you're essentially making are you going to make another documentary on it?
2: So we're not so not going to be as as big of a documentary, right? Number one because the The Big Mac challenge was 30 days, yeah, 30 and uh, it was like literally documenting every single day, every single Big Mac. This one's obviously going to be 24, 48-hour period, um, oh. so it's not going to be nearly as long. But yeah. we'll do other ones as well. I know, for example, it, there's always people who are saying it's not true, it's not accurate, whatever. So one of the ones that people want me to do is basically doing one with sugar oh. where it's like – because there is that crowd out there that says – there's literally people in the world who say don't eat fruit because the sugar is going to make you fat. Oh,
0: yeah. That's such bullshit. So,
2: <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a challenge, probably another 30-day challenge oh. uh, in early in 2020 in which basically I incorporate a massive amount of sugar in my diet yeah. and uh, still eat in a calorie deficit and show people that you can still lose weight.
0: Yeah, I love that because uh, me personally – like, before my workouts, just to, like, restore, like, the, all that glycogen, get the glycogen levels up. I love e- eating fruit and stuff like that, and especially in the morning, too. And I know a lot of people love – I feel like everybody eats fruit in the morning. And just knowing that would be huge because, like, going back to what we first started talking about, like, eating the foods you want to eat. And if, I feel like that for sure would be very beneficial for a lot of people. So I can't wait to see that. Thank you, man. Yeah. So – uh getting all these people, I know I'm sure they're all talking smack on you eating a Big Mac every single day. So how much backlash did you get really from this challenge?
2: You know, I got less backlash than I anticipated. Uh-huh. Uh, at the beginning, there was a fair amount, uh, mainly because people didn't think it was going to be possible. Uh-huh. People didn't actually think that I was going to be able to lose weight while having one Big Mac every day. Yeah, I to clarify, I didn't only eat Big Macs, right? So, yeah. like, I mm-hmm. ate one Big Mac a day as part of my overall diet, right? So, yeah. I had one Big Mac a day. It's only 540 calories. It's not that much. Oh. Um, and then I would have I would have salads, and I would have grilled chicken, and I, would, I mean, I literally documented every day on my Instagram story, and it's still in my highlights, but, like, my girlfriend would make quiche, or I would have, like, eggs. Like, literally, I had a regular diet. I just made sure to keep track of how many calories I was eating. Um, so... <clears throat> I had one Big Mac every day in addition to whatever else I was eating. And at the beginning, there were a bunch of people who were like, there's no way this is going to work. This is so bad. Da, 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 da. But after about two weeks, when people saw that I was losing weight, they were freaking out.
0: They're like, oh, shit, this man oh, might be shit. right. <laughs> so
2: easy. And then um, and, and there were a few people at about two weeks, a few coaches who were like, this is doing more harm than good. He's promoting and telling people to eat Big Macs, blah, blah, blah. blah. I was like, I'm not, and I said this almost on a daily basis. I was like, I'm not telling you to eat Big Macs. I'm not saying Big Macs are healthy. I do not want anyone else to do this challenge. All I'm showing you is that you can can include your favorite foods in moderation, while still making progress. That's it. And I'm saying sometimes you have to do something extreme in order to make a simple simple point for people to understand.
1: Right. I, I personally, I think that, you know, what you're doing is so beneficial for like people like myself because I'm not. I'm like not a healthy person by any means. I don't. I don't like work out a whole lot or nothing like that. So just hearing that alone of you know exactly what you've done just to strictly say within that calorie deficit, it's huge to me because that makes it like I see Jared because Jared's like you know doing it at such a high level where all I see me you know is lettuce and grilled chicken. I'm like, dude, there's no <laughs> way I could do that, you know, because I'm extremely unhealthy. But just knowing and understanding like little bits of you know just by being aware of that calorie intake and of staying within, you know, what that should be and you could still live a healthy lifestyle. Like for somebody who's not, you know, completely indulged in fitness, like that to me is huge.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate that a lot. It makes me wicked happy to hear.
0: Yeah. All right, Jordan. So uh so Thanksgiving, it was yesterday. And I know a lot of people they ate a lot of food. So what advice could you give people that really just went all out ate, oh, ate ten times the amount of calories they normally eat. what advice would you give those people at the gym <laughs> <laughs>
2: i mean the biggest thing is is just get back on track that's really it it's so funny one of the most common questions that i get is what do i do after i took a long time away from the gym or what do i do after like if i like If I really like screwed up my diet and I'm always like, you fucking get back on track. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's, it's one of those things. It's just, it's so mind boggling to me because I mean, there are people who haven't worked out their entire lives. There are people who are hundreds of pounds overweight, people who have serious illnesses who out of nowhere in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, start working out, start paying attention to their health and they change their lives forever. And yeah. they lose hundreds of pounds and they get healthy. And it's like you took a couple months off and you're asking me how the fuck do you get back on track? Like you start <laughs> again. You go through the fucking door. You make a change. You fucking go to the grocery store and pick better foods. Like right. if you ate a lot on Thanksgiving, then you fucking get back on track after Thanksgiving. It's the same thing. It's it's people – are. No one ever got fat between Thanksgiving and New Year's. People get fat between New Year's and the following Thanksgiving. <laughs>
0: New Year's resolution. Let's
2: get back on track.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh That's funny. Just being able to, for example, me, I, I probably ate like seven plates yesterday. <laughs> seven plates of turkey, and I know and I understand that it's okay to enjoy the time with your family and eat those foods that your brother, your sister, your your mom and dad made. Make make them feel love, enjoy the time you guys have together and the, the next day, the, the next weekend, next Monday, just get right back on track like Jordan saying and it's as simple as that. Who gives a fuck if you ate, if you binged? Who gives a fuck cuz you can get back on track. That's that easy. It's that fucking easy. So uh I know a lot of people, they, they have this mental block of when they binge or when they have a poor diet or even going to the gym. So what would you, what's like the process of overcoming that mental block of like saying people that are like afraid to go to the gym because they're, I want to say because they're like being judged.
2: It's a really common concern. People they feel like they're being judged. They feel like you know they're nervous to go because what other people are going to say and blah blah blah. And
0: yeah.
2: and I'm always careful to say, listen, I would never tell anybody how to feel, and I would never say like how you feel is invalid. What I will say though is like when you're 90 years old and you're looking back on your life, are you going when you're 90? Are you going to look back and say I'm really glad that I didn't go to the gym? Because I was worried that some asshole might judge me. Or will you look back and say, I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't go to the gym because I was worried about what some asshole might have thought of me. And the answer is always you would be disappointed in yourself that you wouldn't have gone despite what someone else might think. And it's all these people who are like, I don't give a fuck what people think. I don't give a fuck. I'll do what I want. I'm whatever. And it's the same person who won't go to the gym because they're scared of what people think. It's like, number one, no one gives a fuck what you're doing at the gym. No I know. You. At no all. No one cares. No one's looking at you. The reality is the gym is full of insecure people. It's yeah. why there are a lot of people there. Yeah. A lot of them are insecure and they're they're trying to fix their insecurity by changing how they look. And nothing's wrong with that. But The gym is full of – and you could argue that the world is full of insecure people. Like everybody's insecure in some way, shape, or form. And the reality is most people in the gym are so insecure they're only focused on themselves and they think that everyone is looking at them. When you walk in, no one cares. No one notices you. No one is doing – and even if they do, even if they do care, even if they are looking at you, are you going to care more that you didn't go because you were worried about what someone would say? Or would you say, wow, I'm proud that I went. Because I was worried, but I didn't give a fuck, and I kept going, and I worked through it, and I still achieved my goals regardless. It's like the answer is always you're more proud of yourself when you work through those uncomfortable moments. Yeah. And if you want to talk to your children and talk to your kids, talk to your friends. if you what if your friend told you that they were too scared to go to the gym because what other people might think, what would you tell your friend? Ah, you're right, don't go. Fuck that. you don't want to you don't want to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. You never go from uncomfortable situations. You might as well just stay at home. God forbid, fucking go and push through an uncomfortable situation once in your life. It's like, go to the gym. It doesn't fucking matter. Just keep pushing. It's like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Why would you care so much about what other people think that you're preventing yourself from having better health?
1: Right. While we're on this subject, what do you suggest for somebody who's never eaten healthy and is looking to slowly start transitioning into a more uh, healthy diet? What kind of foods do you suggest?
2: The first thing is, honestly, it's mainly tracking your calories like and before i say eat more of this food eat more of that food because the reality is we have an obesity epidemic right it's like people are eating too many calories and so usually when people just don't know how much they're eating and Mm -hmm. so for me i'm always like before you change anything before you start like because mostly people like all right you got to take this food out you got to take out carbs you got to take out sugar you got to take out this I would rather you you add in more stuff. I'd rather you obviously add in more fruits, add in more vegetables, add in more lean proteins. Mm-hmm. But usually what will happen is people don't realize how many calories they're eating and they think they do, but until you actually count meticulously, you have no idea. So I usually give people a challenge for 30 days, count all your calories, and just from doing that, people are shocked at how many they're actually eating. They lose their They're like, holy shit, I did not realize I was eating that many. Mm-hmm. And from there... Then they, on their own, they start to choose, okay, you know what? I'll have a salad every day for lunch. It's like I'll I'll start to incorporate more fruits and vegetables because they know they're eating too many calories. Whereas if I was just to say, you know, eat more of this, eat more of that, or take this out, take that, take that out, just human psychology, they'll say, fuck you, I'll do what I want. So for me, I'd rather set them up with the opportunity to find out what they're eating and how much they're eating on their own so then they can make that decision.
0: Right. yeah i completely agree i kind of do this with my clients as well like i'll start them off with the first thing i want you to do like if you're truly committed like track your track your meals track your calories for three to five days and if and once you can get that down then we can move to the next step kind of and then after that step happens then we can like start looking at their protein intake how much protein are they getting and once like i said once i get that down keep moving forward keep moving forward into the healthy fats, into the into the more expanded diet of like what I want you to eat and things like that. And then not only that, basically I just try to create little tiny goals with my clients. And once they achieve those goals, we can move to the next goal, like getting eight hours of sleep, seven to eight hours of sleep, um, drinking the right amount of water. And once, once you can accomplish those things and move forward, you can slowly start to incorporate that into being a habit. In a sense
1: is sleep huge into maintaining like a um, more athletic body like if you if you wanted to be an athlete how how big is sleep weigh on that because I hear so many people talking about like it's so such a necessity to get eight hours sleep is that only at like a physical performance level or do you think that weighs in on everything
2: yeah I mean sleep is mass massively important for a number of different reasons um, if we're talking about from a fat loss perspective, the most important thing is a calorie deficit, like yeah. for sure. But a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, so sleep doesn't matter. It's like, well, no, of course sleep matters. Cause if you're not sleeping enough, then odds are you're going to be up late. And w- what are people doing when they're up late?
0: Eating.
1: <laughs>
2: they're not snacking on carrots.
1: <laughs> eating Sour Patch Kids.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're ordering like cupcakes or cookies or sna- yeah. Sour Patch Kids or eating pizza or whatever. It's like, And then what happens? Then, like, when when they're up too late or they're not sleeping enough, then they're too tired to go to the gym. They're too tired to go to the gym. They're not working out. And then when they feel like shit because they're not working out, they feel like they're already screwed up and they eat like shit. It's this bad cycle, right? So it's not necessarily that the sleep is preventing them. I mean, there are people who are insomniacs who barely get any sleep who are skinny as shit. but. That's because they they oftentimes they have disordered eating habits and it's not because of a lack of sleep, it's because they have something else going on. Sure. So sleep isn't preventing anybody from from losing weight or a lack of sleep. It's more that what they're doing when they're not sleeping and then what habits then perpetuate as a result of that. Right. But from a performance perspective, from like a strength perspective, from an athletic perspective, sleep is outrageously important. You know, it's one of those things where for fat loss, calorie deficit. And protein, I'd say those are the two most important things oh. for performance. Then you have hydration levels, you have sleep, you have like you have your macronutrient composition, you have so many other factors that come into it. And so hydration and sleep are two things that massively impact your performance, but uh, they they very much go overlooked. So yeah, I would say if you're not sleeping enough, from at the very least. You're set. You're setting yourself up for bad habits, which will then make it harder to achieve your goals
0: right. later down the road, right. for sure. So I, I know how you always preach uh, caloric deficit over and over on your Q and As. So uh, could you give like a, a, a brief summary on like what a caloric deficit is for all those people out there just listening to this podcast? Like, what the fuck are they saying when they talk about caloric deficit?
2: Yeah, basically, it's it's in order to lose weight you have to eat fewer calories than your body burns on a daily basis. And that's a calorie deficit. So if you want to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. If you want to gain weight, be in a calorie surplus. And if you want to stay the same calorie, you need maintenance, calorie maintenance. Now, there are a lot of questions that come with this. Like, do you have to eat in a calorie deficit every day? It's like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. So for example, like one of the things I do is I like to do like quote unquote calorie cycling, right? Or alternating calories. So for example, you could be in a calorie deficit four days a week and then in a calorie maintenance three days a week, and then at the end of the week, you're still in a net calorie deficit, so you're Mm. still losing fat by the end of the week. Um, It's more of a slower approach, it's more sustainable, it's not something that you're going to be losing rapidly with, but it is something where like, let's say for example, during the weekends, you tend to eat more food. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you want to have more calories, mm. so you could have higher calorie days on Friday, Saturday, Sunday,
0: and then lower on the other days.
2: Yeah, and then during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you eat fewer calories, so you're in a calorie deficit. And that way, over time, you can, number one, have a more sustainable approach, but also lose fat more slowly as well.
0: So would you recommend, like, okay, let's say you find the amount of calories you need to be in a deficit. Would would it be smart to multiply that by seven and then just see how, like, by the end of the week, like, this is the amount of calories you need? Yeah, or would you say daily would be better?
2: So... Both approaches work very well. Oh. Um, generally speaking, I I actually really like the multiplying by seven. And, and I've, I have a whole YouTube video on that. It's like calorie cycling for fat loss. Basically, like, you have the total amount of calories you'd need for that week. And then you can split it up however you want day to day. The one thing that people ask about that is like, well, what happens if I go over on one of those days? Should I make up for it the following day? Yeah. If... The one reason I'm always hesitant to say, yeah, you can make up for it the following day is because then that becomes a habit.
0: Yeah, and then they'll start restricting. Right, right,
2: yeah. one day, it's like, so you know what, I just won't eat at all the next day. It's like, it's a really bad habit to get yeah. into. Usually my response is, just get back on track. Don't try and change anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, but technically, yeah, you could, quote unquote, make up for it.
1: Yeah, because when you when you make it that time seven or whatever, and you're looking for a, at it by the week, that really just suggests alone that you can just you know put something off like you said that is 100% going to set you on a bad habit to me that that's a I don't know I feel like if you're really trying to actively lose weight you have to do it on a day-to-day basis if you were to take it by the week like it, there's just too many possibilities and trying to play catch up
2: well so and that's where my whole thing that I always say you can't fuck this up is so important right where it's like if you get in the mindset that oh, you can always make up for it, you can always make up for it, you can always make up for it. That's a very dangerous road to go down from the perspective of, okay, I'm not going to eat the following day or I won't eat for two days or whatever it is. It's like, no, no, that's not how it works. Not Mm -hmm. to mention, let's say you overeat your calories by, like, 2,000 one day. It's Mm -hmm. like it's not all going to fat storage. Like our bodies are not solely made for fat gain and fat loss. We have so many other physiological processes going on that, Mm -hmm. like, our bodies are not solely taking those extra calories and putting them in fat. Right. Yeah. It's outrageous to think that. So like, it's a very flawed idea to go with. But that being said, I do know that some people do very well with, uh, the day to day, just like focusing the calories on the day to day basis. And other people do much better with a more weekly basis. I will say the people who tend to be more type a need it more on a day to day. Yeah. The people who are more tight, like not like type B or whatever, like where they're more relaxed with it. Yeah, they they do okay with the weekly basis because they're not as strict. They're not as freaking out if like, oh my god, I went over on one day. What do I do? It's like they're more able to go with the flow and relax with it. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. Everybody's different and everybody's mindset's different because, like you said, type A, the day to day people, they could literally step on the scale and it'll be like, oh shit, I gained three pounds from yesterday, and they think. Is three pounds of fat when that's like almost impossible unless you fucking were literally eating all day chips nonstop all day. I mean, I still don't even think it's possible.
2: No, I really don't. It's physiologically impossible to gain yeah. that fat in a day.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't
2: do that. Your body, your body will not allow that to happen.
0: Yeah, that's what people need to understand. That that kind of uh, leads me into what I wanted to ask you next. How do people? Uh, say that's that scale let's just talk about the scale when people one day they weigh five pounds less than the next day and then the day vice after versa, that yeah vice yeah. versa so what would what how do you feel about the scale i know you're very passionate about the scale so could you let let them know what what they should be doing when they step on that scale
2: yeah i mean i always like to think of the scale as just data right that's all it is the scale is just it's, it's more data telling you what's going on but yeah. the reality is like the scale, if you drink a sixteen ounce glass of water and then you step on this you step on the scale and then you drink sixteen ounces of water, and then you step on the scale again, you're gonna weigh a pound heavier.
0: Oh,
2: right? It's like that's sixteen ounces. That's that's a pound. So yeah. there's so many factors that go into how much what how much you weigh. It's like how how your hydration levels are going to impact it. What you just ate is going to impact it. If you ate more salt, a lot of times people are going to think that they they gain fat because they had salty foods. It's like no, salt just makes you hold on to more water. Same yeah. thing with carbs. So, for me, when I weigh, when I'm looking at weight trends over time, mm-hmm. you don't want to wait, You don't want to ex- try and lose weight day to day, because that's a losing battle. You will lose that battle. If you lost one pound a week every week for a year, you'd lose 52 pounds. For yeah. two years, it's 104 pounds. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't have that much to lose. Yeah, it's like if you just if you're trying to lose 10, 15, 20 pounds, and you're not, and you're getting pissed off because the scale isn't going down every day, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for failure. So yeah, for me, yeah. what I do is I look at the trend month to month. So I look at like June 1st to July 1st, July 1st to August 1st, August 1st to September 1st, June 2nd to July 2nd, July 2nd to August 2nd, August 2nd August 2nd to September 2nd, and you look at the trend month to month which means the first 30, 31 days of your weigh-ins mm-hmm. mean absolutely nothing. It's just data collection. Yeah. You're collecting data for those for, for that first month so you can see where the trend falls. This is super important for women because their menstrual cycle is going to fuck with the scale even more. Yeah. Then you can like look at the trend. Okay, so I know every month on this day, this is where I was the last month. This is where I, where I was two months before, and you can see if the trend is going down or not. If you're looking at it day to day or week to week or even every 2 weeks, you're setting yourself up for for failure.
0: Yeah, I completely agree because so so many things play a factor in your scale. Like you said menstrual cycles, you're pissed, taking a piss in the morning, like like you said it can literally make you lose a pound and letting that affect your mind can later lead into more like terrible things down the road and just understanding that you're not going to gain three pounds of fat, two pounds of fat in a single day that it, it might just be your sodium intake holding on to all that water, then I feel like you just need to understand that so you can get basically get your mind right for the next day to keep, keep you on track to losing weight and make you stay focused on your goals.
2: Yeah, 100%. Uh,
0: I also forgot to ask you what we were talking about. When it came to calories, um, how how can a person know how many calories they should eat? Sorry, what'd you say? How can a how can a normal person, average person that wants to get started into fitness doesn't know anything about it? What can they do? Like, how many calories should that person eat? Like, how, how do they track that?
1: It's all basic It's a really
2: good question. So, and that question alone would take a long time to answer. So, what I would do is, if you want, I have a YouTube video. Okay. Uh, that literally explains it step-by-step. Step. It's like my calorie calculator. So oh. if you go to my YouTube channel, which is just Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N-S-Y-A-T-T, Jordan Syatt, and then search for "uh how many calories should you eat for fat loss, it explains it step-by-step step on an individual basis. We'll
1: have to put that in the link for sure. Yeah, then. we'll put that in the link for sure.
0: Um, so I know you're a trainer. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see your clients make that are holding them back from their results that they want?
2: You know, it's funny. It's like we we already mainly covered the biggest ones. The biggest ones tend to be thinking that people are judging them, right? Oh. People that so what happens is the biggest mistakes tend to be things that like we all know not to do, and we would never encourage a friend to do, but we do ourselves, right? So it's like not going to the gym out of fear of thinking someone's judging. Mm-hmm or like not getting back on track because you think you already screwed up. So it's like, well, how do I get back on track? You get back on fucking track, like you start again. Yeah. It's like, the, these are all the biggest things that people do, Is they, it, which essentially is another way of saying, they aren't taking action. Oh. Right? They're not doing what they need to do. And and so one of my favorite sayings, the ones that like gets a really big response out of people is people like, what's your best nutrition advice? I'm always like, don't eat like an asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like – because everybody knows what that means. Like everybody knows that like having Sour Patch Kids is eating like an asshole. Everybody knows that like eating a bunch of pizza is eating like an asshole. Everybody knows that having more uh, fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and drinking water is is not eating like an asshole. So for me, the my, my, one of my favorite sayings is don't eat like an asshole. But when you do eat like an asshole, don't be an asshole to yourself. So don't shame yourself or guilt yourself or think you're fucked up because you didn't from having that one quote unquote bad meal. Just get back on track. So I think the biggest mistakes that people make are <laughs> excuse me, are just not taking action. And that could be not taking action and getting back on track. It could be not taking action and getting to the gym, not taking action on just going on a walk every day. It's like that's all you can do. Yeah. Like it's literally just doing something. Just do get the fuck up and do something. Yeah, it's yeah. the biggest mistake because the reality is. P- oh, another really common question is, how do I get motivated?
0: I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> how
2: motivated? How do I get motivated? It's like, if you're sitting around and like asking on my fucking Instagram Q and A how to get motivated, like you're looking in the wrong place. Like, the only way to get motivated is to do something that you actually you. It's to do something that you want to do, but you don't want to do it. Right, It's like to do something that you know you should do, do something that you know you actually want to do, but it's really, really hard for you to do. So it's like if someone wants to go to the gym but they're more comfortable in bed, it's like I guarantee you every single person in the world is more comfortable in their bed than at the gym. Like every single person would rather stay in bed for an extra 90 minutes than go to the gym. It's way more comfortable. But the only way you're going to get motivated is to get the fuck up and do it.
1: -hmm. Yeah, trying to stay motivated is like almost impossible. Being motivated is just like a state of mind. If you like, how can you recreate that day to day basis? It's more of a desire. Like, you just got to want to do something.
2: That's literally it. And, And for me, it's so interesting. Like, one of the things I realized, and I mentioned it earlier, a lot of times people are talking about being present in the moment, be present. And I think being present has its time and it has its place. But I also think that. If you're really thinking about what motivation stems from, it's usually from thinking about wanting something in the future, wanting some type of a future goal, wanting wanting to achieve something in the future. And the desire for that future goal is much greater than how comfortable you are in the moment. And that's really what what a lot of times what momentary motivation will come from. So that's why I I always ask, what decision are you going to be more proud of at the end of the day? When you're going back to bed later that day, are you going to be more proud that you got up and worked out? Or are you going to be more proud that you stayed in bed and didn't? And the answer might be that you were more proud that you stayed in bed. In which case, like, because maybe you like exercise too much or maybe you get anxiety if you don't work out. And so you wanted to be able to, you know what, I'm going to take a rest day. And for you, that might be really good. But for someone who hasn't worked out in four years, like, you're going to be more proud of yourself if you got the fuck up and went on a 30-minute walk than if you didn't.
0: And to stay motivated, they basically... They have to want it at the end of the day, and if you you nobody else can give you motivation to do something, they can help you, but nobody can say do this unless they're physically dragging you out of the bed and putting you there. And even then, I feel like that's gonna just make you not even want to do it.
2: A hundred percent, that's exactly right.
0: So uh, that makes me want to ask you about Gary V. So I know you trained him, and you you trained him for three years. I'm pretty sure. And I know he's a super busy person and I know a lot of busy people, they are the ones that really make the excuse like, oh, I don't have time, I, I can't do this. So what advice, knowing that you trained Gary Vee, this busy man, busy as hell, I'm sure, what advice would you give him to like, specific- specifically with working out and diet, dieting when you don't have time at all, well, quote unquote, don't have time at all?
2: Man, I mean, it's so funny, like, you know, I've I worked with Gary for three years, seven days a week, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's one of those things where I've worked with thousands of people, and oh. and, and Gary is, is, without question, one of the, the busier people that I've ever met, he's one of the busiest people in the world, but the people that really, really, really fucking inspire me, the people that really showed me that nobody is too busy are like the single moms working two or three jobs
0: yeah
2: that I worked with, who like scraped up the money to have me coach them, who like are taking their kids to practices, who are waking up at four in the morning to get their workouts in. Like, I no joke, I've worked with single moms and I, and some and some fathers as well who like, did everything they could to not only make sure that they had they had me there as their coach to pay for it, but then to make sure that they got their workouts in that they just there was no excuse. They fucking got it in. They got it done. Like whether it was two or three or four days a week, whatever it was, they made sure they did it. there was no excuse. I remember one of the guys that I worked with, he was a single father. like he worked two full-time jobs and then a couple nights a week, he would work part time as a janitor, just to like make enough money for coaching. And, uh, and like, it was crazy. Like, and he, no matter what, he would never miss a workout. It's like,
0: that's the best client to have.
2: (laughs) That's it, man. That's and like the, like, it's hard. It's, and it's one of the, one of the, I hate the saying, I hate it when people say, well, yeah, but it's easier said than done. I'm like, yeah, everything is easier said than done. Like, what the, is that? You're exactly right. Every, literally everything is easier said than done. But what the fuck is the point of saying that? It's like, are, is, are you using that to justify not doing it? Because if you are, that's fine. I don't care if you do it or not. You're the one that is going to impact, not me. Mm-hmm. It's like the reality is we're all super busy, some of us more than others. But if this is something that's important to you, then you're going to make it happen no matter what, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a relationship in a sense like, oh, I love this girl and I'm going to make time to see this person because I, w- I want that in my life, you know? And it's the same with the gym or with anything that you want, like, If it's in your life and you want it, you're gonna make time for it no matter what, and that's why I feel like these single moms—they they're the ones that really go after it because they have a kid, they want to be able to provide for the kid. That could even that their kid could be the one that keeps them going, honestly, and they want to be able to like show this kid that I'm 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 doing it on my own, and you could do it too, and. I feel like that could be a a huge motivator i don't know what it what motivates him, but that gave me gave me chills and really inspired me that it
1: it seems like too what he's saying is like you take someone like gary with like you know almost unlimited resources when it comes to that kind of stuff and you take somebody who has next to no resources Mm -hmm. it really just comes down to the point of like is this important to somebody so that that must have been important to that you know single mom working two jobs waking up at four and you know feeding however many kids like if if you make that something that you want or has to be done, it's almost irrelevant to what your income is or what your schedule is. Mm-hmm. You know, it really just comes down to Mindset, are you going to sure. do it or are you not? You know, yeah.
2: that's literally it. And it's like Gary is outrageously inspiring and he's, he's an incredible guy, but yeah. I, I, always, I almost hesitate to use his, him as an example just because no one can really relate to him. Right? Like, very few people even know what the fuck he does. Like most people don't know what Gary's business is. They don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. But it's like when they hear that, I, I've worked with many single parents, moms and, and moms and, and dads who like go out of their way to work extra jobs, do all this to make sure their kids are getting what they need and to make sure they're getting the workouts in. And they're like, fuck, like what the fuck is my excuse? You know, it's like that's that, and that's the truth.
0: What are some of like the biggest myths out there in the fitness industry that really like grinds your gears? Because I know, for example, in in real life, people th- things that really grind my gears is when people say, "Oh, I don't have enough time." And then there's these single moms that are busting their ass, have they literally have an hour to get it in, and they get it in. And then there's people that say they have no time. So, and that really frustrates me. But what are some of the biggest myths out there that really grind grind your gears?
2: the biggest fitness myths? Yeah. Oh man, this could <laughs> this could be like a whole separate podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean that calories like all calories are not created equal. Um that's a big one. Uh I would say that uh calories don't matter. I would say that uh that lifting weights is going to make you bulky.
0: Oh yeah, Can, could you get into that one right there? Lifting weights make you bulk because I know a lot of women they always come to me like is this going to make me big? Like, I don't want to have big shoulders, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be swole. Every girl's nightmare, broad yeah. shoulders. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, it's one of those things where <laughs> lifting, getting bigger is really fucking hard. <laughs>
1: yep.
2: Like okay. getting big is very, 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 very difficult. And it's one of those things yep. where it's like everybody, everybody knows at least that one, one guy, that one friend who, like, is always trying to get bigger, who's always, like, saying they're eating as much as they possibly can. And it's, like, it's really hard. And getting bigger is, like, physiologically, your body doesn't want you to do it. Like, it's the exact Unless opposite. you have the
0: frame for it.
2: Like, build, building muscle is outrageously uh, energy costly. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it, it's just from an evolutionary perspective not what our body wants to do. Ah, uh, not to mention the hormonal aspect of it that women don't have the hormonal profile like that's gonna really facilitate massive muscle growth, especially not easy. So for me, there, I think a lot of people hear strength training, and, and especially women, they hear strength training or lifting weights, and they all of a sudden think of a bodybuilder. Yeah, they think of like this like Arnold Schwarzenegger or and it's funny. it's one of the the more common phrases that I'll hear is like, okay, well, i want to I want to get stronger, but I don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. and uh, and, For me, I always say it's like you saying you don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger from Lifting Weights is is basically like saying you want to learn how to drive, but you don't want to be a NASCAR race driver. (laughs) It's like. Just because you fucking get behind the wheel does not mean you're going to be driving the Daytona 500.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Most people <laughs> pick up
2: a dumbbell doesn't mean you're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like the amount of drugs that guy had to t- take and the amount of years and years and years and years and years in the gym and how much like excruciating pain he had to go through in order to achieve that physique is is unbelievable. It's like just because you're going to the gym three or four times a week and lifting a little bit and doing some RDLs doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to look like fucking Arnold. <laughs>
0: when i played football i'd be i played linebacker so i'd be like 230 235 and my body frame is like set for 180 so being 180 is like so much easier and when like people think it's easy to be big like it's it's fucking hard like i'd eat like six meals a day and, and i still like sometimes wouldn't even gain weight i'm just like what the fuck is like my metabolism like like fuck oh my god like slow down please and <laughs> And like it, it was a struggle. And then as soon as football ended, that's when I cut weight. I cut weight so quickly because my body, I feel like, is not used to being. It's not supposed to be two thirty five. My body's supposed to be one eighty. And that's what, like, for girls out there, women out there, it's hard as hell. Like Jordan said, to gain weight, and it's hard as hell to get that those bulky ass shoulders. You know.
2: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it goes back to learning how to read the scale. Mm-hmm. most people hearing that will be like oh you don't understand i could gain five pounds overnight it's like oh, yeah. No, yeah you can gain five pounds overnight by eating more than you did or having your period but it's it, again it's not measuring day to day or week to week look at it month to month it's like yeah. that's not how it works so really understanding that weight gain just like weight loss takes time
0: so jordan i don't i want to be uh, very respectful of your time and i want to wrap things up Um, Is there anything, any more things you want to just put out there for the listeners that they can take home?
2: Uh, Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and I would just say like, man, I I think probably the most important thing that you could take from this is think about whatever decision is going to make you proud at the end of the day and make that your decision. It's like, don't don't go with what's comfortable in the moment. Go with what's going to make you proud at the end of the day. And that's really going to make you happier and more successful.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much, Jordan. Uh, where could they find you at?
2: Uh, you could find me on on YouTube, Jordan Syatt, uh my own podcast, the Jordan Siet Mini Podcast, Instagram. Um, you could Google my name; you're going to find a bunch.
1: righty, man. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you taking your time to come on here and um, definitely provide some extremely valuable pointers for you know both the listeners who are already involved in <laughs> fitness and also the people that uh, are interested in becoming more healthy. Uh,
0: once again, we appreciate your time, Jordan. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. And have, have a good Christmas, good holidays, and we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, That's man. it for today. We just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And if we made an impact on your life or if we helped you in any way, if you can give this podcast a five-star rating and maybe a comment if you really love us. And, uh, and also follow us on Instagram at Jared Emanuel my boy over here at dylan miller four R's. our whole goal in starting
1: this this podcast is try to grow our community as much as possible and in doing so the the, the fastest way for us to do that is um, leaving those reviews because that helps us get charted and you know seen by more people um, and we just want to establish a nice community you know be able to communicate together and you know really enjoy the experience of what we're talking about you know the guests that we're going to be bringing on so yeah guys all that being said make sure you like comment leave a review if you did enjoy today's episode